Thank you, Joe. All right. Well, hey, this morning, uh, I am not speaking, but I have a great friend of mine, a spiritual giant, spiritual father figure to me, Mark Nicewander. He's going to come up in a few minutes, but just a, there's lots of uh, accolades about him. He's spoken all over the world. He's uh, led lots of things on the mission field. He was Kathy, his wife, Kathy, and kids were there for a while. But the thing I want to say about Mark uh, is more personal in nature of what Mark means to me as he comes up today. And so, I don't know, 20-something years ago, maybe a little bit longer, I was at the UGA Wesley Foundation. And God was doing great things. It was a place for me where God was really uh, stirring, uh, causing me to come alive spiritually. And, and this guy named Mark, who was friends with Tom Tanner, came. And he uh, came and he just began to speak. And he brought this, and you're going to see it today, like a father-type presence to him, the way that he speaks, Right. Just very direct. He has this incredible voice that God's given him. You'll get to experience that today. But he came and carried something. Have you been around somebody who's ever carried something spiritually, specifically, that when you're around them, when they speak, it just has a unique and different type of weight to it when they speak. And he came and began to speak, began to speak about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, things just literally began to happen. We had one of those moments where God's spirit fell, things broke out, things were getting crazy, right? And it was this thing that he was carrying. I forget the next day him praying for me and just talking me through some of the things that I was wrestling with. And I sat there in the moment and said, God, I'm just thankful for Mark Nicewander. I'm thankful for his life. I'm thankful for the intentionality and the way that he invests in the people who are around him. I'm thankful for the way that you love others through him. Uh, he most recently was on staff at Riverstone Church for a long time, then a church up in Dalton. He can tell you about for a couple of years, he and Kathy, and just serving, watching God move. And so with that this morning, if you would, please give a round of applause in honor of Mark. You can go ahead and come, Mark. I'm going to pray for you. And uh, then we'll dive in. So Jesus, I'm just thankful for Mark. I'm I'm just thankful for who he is, uh, Father, as, a, as just a man after your own heart and who loves well. I pray this morning, God, would you give us ears to hear what you have to say through him? And, God, we're excited for what you have for us. We love you, Jesus. I pray blessings upon him now in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Good to be with you folks today. And uh, Kathy and I have uh, just recently moved into the area, and so we are coming here and attending uh, Vintage. We love the church. When we were up in Dalton, we uh, ministered into a church about this size, and uh, so it's, it's good to uh, continue uh, with a church like this because I think it's just so strong in its community. So uh, glad to be with you all today. Uh, Steve has been leading us in this area of uh, prayer, which I think is absolutely essential uh, to see momentum come. In the life of the church and and even uh, across this nation because we're all believing for an awakening that God would move in power again. You know, God has given this country two great awakenings and uh, we're praying that he'll do another round uh, in, in this time. So uh, I want to uh, continue in that area of prayer today. And uh, let's let's just uh, pray uh, again. Lord, we, we do love you, Jesus. We pray your spirit would come through your word, speak life into our lives, Lord. Speak truth 
And uh, we just honor you today, Jesus, as your people. And we, we thank you, Lord, for the joy of gathering together in your name and uh, believing you, Lord, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm a part of a Zoom prayer group. There's uh, five other guys involved in that. We try to meet every week to pray, to share with one another. Uh, one of the persons in that group is Alan Hood. Now, if you know Alan, Alan had been out at the International House of Prayer for uh, almost 25 years. And in those 25 years that Alan was there, I'm sure he spent thousands of hours in the prayer room. But then uh, he and his wife, Rachel, moved to Colorado, where they were involved in another ministry for a couple of years. And at the end of those two years, he had a, um, a, a group, a house of prayer, invite him to come out. It's right outside Washington, D.C., to teach uh, the students in the school there at that house of prayer. And Alan went because in Colorado, there was no house of prayer near him. And so after spending 25 years in Kansas City, he was missing that. So he went determined to give as much time as he could in that house of prayer, in that prayer room, uh, besides teaching the students there. And when he came back from that, Alan said this to, uh, to our group. I realized when I was there, I was made for the prayer room. Now, uh, we don't have a prayer room here at Vintage, but let me say... You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are made for prayer. As a matter of fact, I would say that we, as the church of Jesus Christ, we are made for prayer. Prayer is who you are as a believer in Jesus. Prayer is who we are as the church. But unfortunately today, if you had a scale between prayerfulness and prayerlessness... I think uh, many churches and, and many of us believers, we would find ourselves tipping closer to the prayerlessness than the prayerfulness. And, uh, and for that reason, uh, today I want to look at several words and actually actions of Jesus that are, that are centering in on this issue of prayerlessness. And, and basically in this, in this section of Mark's Gospel... Uh, Jesus is, is showing us the, the, um, the dangers of prayerlessness, the reasons for it, and really what, what is the cure for prayerlessness in our life. Now, I'm not saying we're completely prayerless, but it could be we find ourselves more on the side of prayerlessness than we do on the side of prayerfulness. So, we'll, we'll jump into that and look at it. Now, Jesus and the disciples have been involved in the uh, what I call the Galilean revival uh, for quite a time. And they were actually seeing this revival spill over in the borders into other nations uh, around Galilee, the northern part of uh, Israel. But then uh, Jesus told his disciples, it's time for us to go to Jerusalem. So they made their way down to Jerusalem. And when they got there, they were going to stay at Bethany, just on the other side of the Mount of Olives. And then walk across the mountain to go to Jerusalem to the temple where they would do their ministry in the area. And the first day that they were there, uh, Jesus took his disciples to the temple. And when they went into the temple, evidently Jesus discovered something there that absolutely shocked him. 
there was a prayerlessness in the temple. I mean, the temple is the place where people meet God. It was the place in Israel where God's presence was and that the whole purpose of the temple was to engage God there. And Jesus was saying not only was there a prayerlessness, but it seemed like it's being blocked, the prayer in the temple. So and we pick up in Mark eleven twelve through 14. And in this, in this section, Jesus performs a dramatic parable, a power parable uh, with his disciples. Mark eleven twelve through 14. The next day, this is the second day they're in the area. So this is the next day after they went to visit the temple and saw what was going on. It says, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. His disciples heard him say it. And then uh, if you skip down to Mark eleven twenty, 20, uh, which is the next day, the third day, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from its roots. Now here Jesus is demonstrating a power parable. By that I mean a, a, a parable that has a miraculous element in it. Uh, a good example of this is when, uh, you remember when Moses was before the Pharaoh, and the magicians of Egypt threw down their staffs, and they became serpents. And so Moses throws down his staff, and it becomes a serpent, and it swallows up their serpents. And basically, that was a parable to say that the God of Israel is greater than the demonic gods of Egypt, and he will swallow them up. So it was a parable, a dramatic uh, power parable that that Moses was doing. Well, here Jesus is doing a power parable. But, uh, and Jesus is not mad at the fig tree. He's, he's basically using it as a, as a parable for the issues of prayerlessness uh, and, and the dangers of prayerlessness. And so when Jesus sees this fig tree, he notices uh, it's not the time for figs, but there was something about it that he noticed that it was, uh, it was a tree that would not produce fruit. And so he, he, he basically declares, may no one ever eat fruit from this tree again. And then the next day when they go back, they see that it's completely withered to its roots. So the miracle is that Jesus accelerated the withering to a 24-hour period and uh, completely dried it up within, within that time. I sense what Jesus is saying here is prayerlessness means there's no fruit. The great fruit of the temple was prayer. And when there was a prayerlessness, it had lost its fruit. And if there is no fruit of prayer, it's a sign that we're withering. That we're withering in in. In life, and that's what he was saying about the temple. The temple is withering, and if this continues, the temple will wither to its roots, and which it did, and finally uh, fell in 70 A.D. 
Now, you remember that Paul says this, and, and, and I want you to understand that, um, that prayerlessness basically is what's causing the temple to wither. People are not engaging God in this place where God is. Now, remember that Paul says in his letters that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we are the place where we can meet God in Christ Jesus as believers in Jesus Christ because Christ is in us through the Holy Spirit. The great work, the great fruit of our life is prayer and communion with God, fellowship with him. And remember, Paul said that the church is the temple and that Christ is the cornerstone of this temple. And so this community, the great purpose of our life together is to engage the Lord, to love him, to know him, to, to pray, to pray as a people as well as pray as individuals. And if there is no prayer, if there's a prayerlessness it means that the fruit is not being produced in our life or in the, in the church. And, um, and that prayerlessness means we're withering. Now hear me on this. I'm not saying we're losing our salvation or we've fallen from grace. But what I'm saying is that we're, we're withering in the kind of robust life that we're called into as believers in Jesus Christ and the kind of life we're called into as the church of Jesus Christ. We are to be a people that engage God because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. This is the great fruit of our salvation, that we can know God and fellowship with him. And if there is no prayer, then it means that we're withering in that relationship. We're not living in the fullness of what God calls us to and calls us for. Uh, the danger of prayerlessness is not just that it's a bad habit. It's a sign that we're withering. And, and you know, maybe this is one of the reasons I think that uh, Steve has called us to this time to believe for momentum. To believe to that God would would for us as a people and for us as individuals, would bring us back into the kind of fullness that he intends for us as a people and the fullness that he intends for us as a church. A number of years ago, it was probably about 15 years ago, I noticed in my own life kind of a withering going on. I wasn't living in the, in the fullness of what I felt like I should be knowing in my life in Christ. And it was during that time that the Lord gave me a prayer to begin to pray. <clears throat> it was one sentence, and I just pray it over and over again. And the prayer was this, Lord Jesus Christ, revive me. I'd pray it day and night. I'd pray it when I was going to sleep. I'd pray it when I got up. When I was walking, I would breathe it in, Lord Jesus Christ, and breathe it out, revive me. And, and, and that, in a sense, it was not just a, a mantra that I was saying. It was, um, it, was, um, it was really praying in the Spirit. You know, there are many ways to pray in the Spirit. One of the ways to pray in the Spirit is just pray a few words that you know, that you don't have to think about, and you give yourself to them. And as you do it, the Spirit begins to 
pray into you what all that means and what all God wants to do in your life. And I remember during that time, the Lord began to lead me to read about revivals and to see the dynamics of what it means to be revived. And I even wrote a book on revival. But to me, the, the reality that meant the most was not that I knew more about what revival was, but that God was reviving me. And I'm convinced that a key part of that reviving was going after him in prayer. As a matter of fact, I wonder if that's the reason why prayer is so important to initiate a revival. Because God is doing something in people so that if a revival comes, they were stewarded well and receive what he's doing. Because we are being revived. We are being revived through prayer. So that was a, that was a time of, of realization that this, this withering uh, is overcome by prayer. By getting back to what we're called into, the fruit The other thing Jesus did was this prophetic demonstration that really was the cause of uh, prayerlessness. Uh, After the uh, power parable, uh, Jesus goes back to the temple. Uh, This is the second day. Jesus goes back to the temple where he sees, again, the reason for the prayerlessness. And, uh, And then he gives this prophetic demonstration. This is Mark 11, 15 through 18. You want to read that on the screen. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written that my house will be called house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began to look for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Now, I'm trying to get my watch off, but I'm having trouble. Hang on a minute. Um, Here is a, a prophetic demonstration in the temple, and uh, this again is similar to uh, Jeremiah. I don't know if you remember this story. Jeremiah goes before the king of Judah, Zedekiah, and he wears a leather yoke, and and basically it is a prophetic demonstration to the king that if you don't repent and if Judah does not repent, they will you will come under the yoke of Babylon. So it was, it was a parable to, to say something to the king. Well, here Jesus is uh, performing a prophetic parable in the temple, and he, he's showing the, the reasons for prayerlessness. Now, to understand this story, you, you have to realize that uh, uh, several years earlier, there was some commerce that was going on outside the temple. It was basically at the base of the Mount of Olives. And, uh, and, and there they would exchange the money that people were carrying to from their countries or from their area and exchange it into temple money 
so that they could buy things in the temple, particularly animals for sacrifice. And so there was a, a bit of a fee on that to exchange your money. Uh, and then also there were animals to buy because people couldn't bring their animals all the way from the towns and the, in, and the nations they were coming from. And so um, there were animals to, to purchase. Well, all of this had been going on at the base of the Mount of Olives about three years before this incident. But somewhere around that time, they decided to move all this into the temple. The exchanging of money as well as the selling of animals. And so they decided to, the best place to put it would be in the court of the Gentiles. It was a place set apart in the temple for the nations to come and to pray. Pray to the God of Israel. And so what was once a prayer room or a prayer court, they turned into a Walmart. And so there was this strong commercial activity going on with the exchanging of money and the selling of animals. And all of this was crowding out the ability for the Gentiles to come in and pray. And that is what caught Jesus' attention, that the temple was actually shutting down prayer. And you know why it was shutting it down? It was crowding it out. Jesus is demonstrating here through this particular work that the thing that causes us to become prayerless is that prayer gets crowded out. It gets crowded out of our lives. It gets crowded out of the church. And when it gets crowded out, uh, we cease to pray. Or we don't pray like we should pray. And so Jesus is going after, basically in this time, uh, he, he's, he's, he's saying, I am tearing down the prayerlessness because the prayerlessness is tearing down the temple. And so he drives all these money changers and the animals out of the temple court. Now listen to Jesus' words. He quotes Isaiah the prophet. And here's the quote, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. In other words, this was God's intention that there would be a place for the nations to come and to pray. And they were crowding that out so the nations couldn't come and pray. And then Jesus turns his aim toward the leaders of the temple and he says this to them, but you have made it. A den of robbers. And here Jesus is saying that our crowding out of prayer, we're actually being robbed. We're being robbed of who we are. We're being robbed of who we are as a church. We're being robbed of who we are as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ. Because this is the essential reality of our life in Christ. Communion with our Father, communion with Jesus. So the crowding robs us of prayer. Um, I believe again that uh, what we're one of the things we're praying for in terms of momentum is God make me a person of prayer and make us a a people of prayer. Because uh, this is. If we're not, we're being robbed of one of the essential elements of who we are in Christ Jesus. The third thing 
is uh, Jesus brings a, a strong command, uh, and it, and basically it's it's the remedy for prayerlessness. Uh, on the uh, on the day that Peter sees the tree all dried up, which was the third day of this series of days that we've been looking at, and he saw it completely withered to the root, he was amazed that it could happen so quickly. And Jesus responds and basically gives three imperatives to uh, Peter and to the disciples. And these imperatives, I believe, are, uh, are three instructions as to how to cure prayerlessness. And so listen to what he says. This is Mark eleven twenty two through 26. The first imperative. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. The second, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then the third imperative, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And so here Jesus is talking about the remedy of prayerlessness. And what is it? It's to pray. <laughs> Matter of fact, he says it three times. He shows the different dynamics of prayer. But he's, he's, he basically says, pray, pray, pray. Yeah, you remember the time the disciples went to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray? They didn't ask him, teach us how to pray. They said, teach us to pray. And what does Jesus say to them? When you pray, say this, our Father who art in heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to know, if you want me to teach you to pray, then pray. Start praying. Start giving yourself to this. Yeah. Begin to pray. Matter of fact, as I said earlier, I think one of the things we need to do is to pray over our prayerlessness. <laughs> Bring it to the Lord. Uh, say, Lord, would you, would you shift this in our life? But basically, Jesus is saying three areas in terms of prayer. prayer pray for fellowship with God. Have faith in God. Come before him in faith and, and pray to him. You, you might be saying, you know, I don't know if I know God that well. Well, you're not going to know God through intellectual activity. You know him through faith. As a matter of fact, I would say this. Faith is a higher form of knowledge than intellectual activity. As you, as you believe, you begin to see you begin to learn. You begin to understand. You begin to fellowship with God. You begin to discover who he is and experience who he is in your own life. So prayer by faith, having faith in God, is a, is a means of learning and experiencing who God is in your own life. I remember at the end of uh, Paul's Ephesian prayer, he says, I pray that you would have this knowledge that is beyond knowledge. Well, how can you have a knowledge that's beyond knowledge? 
Because it's not just a knowledge of the mind, it's an experiential knowledge of who God is. It's a knowledge beyond knowledge, intellectual knowledge. It's the knowledge of faith. And so as we come to God in faith and we begin to pray to him, we begin to discover and know him in a precious way. And then the second thing is a a passionate uh, devotion to Jesus Christ. Uh, excuse me, Jesus, uh, in that faith in God, I would say it, it, it means passionate devotion to Jesus Christ. It means uh, a loving faith in God the Father. It means uh, a faith in the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. You see, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in this Trinitarian dance of love. A fellowship with one another, and they invite us into that, that we might participate. When it says God is love, how can God be a love by himself before things were created? Because God's a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's this fiery circle of love and fellowship that's going on between the three. And we're invited into that through Jesus Christ. Love God. Love, love Jesus. Love the Spirit by faith. Give yourself to them. And then Jesus says, overcome obstacles by faith. Speak to this mountain. Go, believing in your heart that it will, and it will. And then Jesus said, prayer is renewing yourself. Asking God to forgive you of any sins that have come into your life, but also forgiving others, Uh, living out this this constant renewal of self in the Lord. Kind of going back to that mountain thing where Jesus says, say to this mountain, go and be cast into the sea. Uh, I felt like this morning... Maybe one of the things we can do as a, as a church is to pray. Because basically, this whole series of prayer on prayer is coming out of this series on momentum. And so we're, we're asking God, God, take down this, this mountain of prayerlessness. Take it down and make us a people of prayer. Make me a person of prayer. And Lord, bring Bring a new momentum into our life where we have, uh, where we have grown stagnant and stale. Bring a new momentum. And, of course, the greatest momentum God can give the church this side of the return of Jesus is revival. I think revival is the most massive gift of God's grace that the church can know. But we as a people... We need to go after that in prayer. Lord, do it in our lives. Do it in this place. Do it in this time. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray as, as kind of a closing to this message, and then Steve's going to come up and uh, direct us. But we're going to pray, uh, and here's how we're going to pray. We're going to pray together, all of us together. I would like for us to pray You know, there's certain kinds of prayers, but this prayer, I would like for us to pray crying out. Now, I know that's hard for the American church. 
It, it happens in Korea, but it doesn't happen often in America. But it does happen at football stadiums. We cry out. We yell. We, so uh, we're going to cry out together. I'm going to make this easy on you. It won't be a long time. We'll maybe go 30 or 40 seconds. But I, I want you to really give yourself, because this is not a, a youth camp game we're doing here. This is praying. We're coming together to pray, to cry out to God. And then also I'm going to make it uh, pretty easy on you. I'm going to give you uh, what we're to, uh, to cry out together. And uh, I'll share that with you in a minute. But I said I want us to pray together. And I want us to do that in a physical fashion as well. So I'm going to ask all of you who will just to come to the front or come up the aisles as a church that we would be together to, to, uh, to have this time of prayer. So if you would, hop up and come on down if you'd like to. I'm not saying you have to come down, but if you'd like to be a part of this time of praying together as the church. Now, here's what we're going to pray. And I, and, and I basically see this prayer as a prayer for the Holy Spirit to come upon us, the spirit of intercession in these coming days. But as you're praying this, again, it's like this praying in the spirit. God may show you other things you're praying for, things you're not even expecting to pray for. So the two words are this. Come on. Come on. That's all we're going to pray. We're going to shout it out to the Lord. If you're, if you're back in the chairs, you can join us in this. It's a, it's a coming together in faith, believing that God's going to do some things. The Spirit's going to come. It's going to come upon us. As you're praying this, the Lord may show you, you know what you're praying is you're praying for a loved one to come on back. It may show you some other things you're praying for, you're, you're unexpectedly praying for. But these are the words we're going to use to pray in the Spirit at this time. Together, there are three ways to pray in the Spirit. You can pray without words, you can pray with unknown words, or you can pray with words. And we're going to pray with two words today and ask the Holy Spirit to come and anoint us. Oh, Spirit of intercession, Jesus. Let me pray, and then I'm going to count one, two, three, and we're going to go for it. Jesus, we thank you right now for your presence, through your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit of intercession, come on us right now, Lord. Come on us right now, that as we pray, we may truly pray from our hearts as we come before you and move this mountain of stagnation Move this mountain that is in the way. Bring it down, Lord. Bring it down and cast it into the sea. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. One, two, three.
Toby's going to lead us in a song here, and then we'll, after this, we'll go back to our seats. Jesus, we pray this, uh, as we before we head back to our seats, Lord, we just we stand before you, God, and recognize Jesus that you are Lord and you are holy and you are worthy. God, you're worthy of us crying out to you. You're worthy of our discomfort. Father, you are worthy of our devotion. Father, you are more than deserving. And we stand, God, and thank you for what Easter is going to mean and what it means already, God. That you came to give us life, God, to tear the veil, to make a way for us to be with you. God, I thank you. And Lord, you don't, that you won't allow us to stay in prayerlessness, God, because you want us to know you. 
We pray for a gift of conviction today that would lead us into truth, Lord. It would lead us to that true repentance. God, that's saying, oh my gosh, I've been walking down the wrong path. I need to walk down this other path. Then, Lord, would you lead and guide and direct us, God, and lead us from temptation. The temptation of dying, of, of giving to, to only ourselves, to living for self, not living for you. The temptation, God, of living in fear. The temptation, Lord, of, of just not surrendering. So, God, come and have your way. Just before you go back to your seats, just before the Lord by yourself, say, God, I, I surrender to you. Jesus, we surrender. I just surrender to you, Jesus. Father, come and have your way. Father, come and have your way in me. Pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Amen. You can head back to your seats. I do want to just say, if you are a part of our ministry teams this morning, I just want to invite you to go ahead and stay for ministers to lead in ministry. For those of you this morning who came and just really looking for God and asking for God to move, and just asking for God's breakthrough, we want to take some time as we worship, as Toby leads us in another song. We just want to pray for you. Ministry teams, again, are already on both sides. And again, these are just people like you who want to love you by leading you uh, just into the presence of Jesus. Maybe you're just in a place of healing, breakthrough, restoration. Maybe you're in a place of even salvation. Maybe when you were crying out, come on, you recognized there were just places of brokenness that you needed him to come and move. And you want someone just to pray for you about those things, right? You just want to begin to pray and just to minister. I do invite you, wherever you are, just to have an honest conversation as you worship. Just have a conversation with Jesus. Just say, God, it's been a while since I probably have really come and, 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 and uncrowded my mind, uncrowded my life to make space. And I just have a conversation with the Lord about, about that life of prayer and that relationship with Him. Maybe there's a commitment you want to make this morning to be with Him, and you can have that conversation. This is a, a reboot or restart for us. This is a place of saying, Jesus, I feel like that fig tree without fruit, and God, I'm committing myself today to prayerfulness that leads to fruit in my life and the light of the life of my family, the church, the people around me. So you respond as the Lord leads, as Toby leads us, and I will come back in a few minutes and I will praise you.